brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Cersei is still on the chair. She loves that chair. So maybe before we get started today, just a little like PSA to our listeners, because we know you care about pets just as much as you care about books. Um, as you might know from Cersei's bio, my cat Cersei really loves a good chair. Um, and there's a chair we have in this house right now. This is very serious. That's why I'm talking yes, my serious yes. voice. So there's a chair we have in our house right now that is her favorite chair. She spends all day on it. She's on it right now, right here with me, behind me right now on the chair. Um, but my husband, Ben, who you might know from Ask a Man, um, he wants to get rid of the chair because he says no one uses it. Now I ask you, is Cersei no one? If you agree, write in and let us know. I will collect the emails. And show them to my husband as evidence that Cersei needs her chair. That's right. Just write in to what's our email address? <laughs> the, the squad at booksquadgoals.com. The squad. The squad at booksquadgoals.com. Write in. We're definitely going to get yeah, more definitely. emails about Cersei's chair than we we're, do listeners. We're going feedback. to file please, a formal please, petition. I, I beg of you. Cersei's chair sounds like a band. Yes. Yeah, I beg of like you, please band. write in and tell tell us about how much Cersei needs her chair. She loves this chair. Cersei, we're praying for you. All right. <laughs> now on with the episode. Thoughts and prayers. Okay. All right. Welcome again. To get started this week, we're doing a thing that is, I think, going to be fun for us and maybe... Maybe also fun for you, or maybe boring for you. We'll see. It does relate to the book, but for our intros, let's talk about our hometowns. Where are you ladies from? What's your place like? And do you still live there? Oh gosh, no. Do any of us live in our hometowns? Uh-uh. No. no. Okay, so we got that out of the way. None of us are Mikey. Nah. From the Gunners, which is the book we're talking about. Yeah, that sounded miserable. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm from Orlando, Florida. 
it is horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm technically – I was born in Miami, but I only lived there for five years. And then I grew up for the rest of my life pretty much in Orlando. Uh, as you may know, Orlando is home to Disney World and Universal Studios and almost nothing else. Um, the Florida Project. The Florida Project, which is a great movie, and I recommend everyone see it. And that movie was filmed right – like seriously, like right next to the apartment complex that I grew up in. Um, so, or I, I grew up in the part of Orlando that was right between the two theme parks. So I was across the street Ooh. from Universal Studios. I could see the roller coasters from the parking lot where we parked our cars. We could hear people screaming, having a fun time from across the street. Um, <laughs> and Fun fact that when they were constructing Hogwarts, we could, like, see the the Hogwarts Tower, like, while they were working on it before Harry Potter World was open. So that was very exciting because every day we'd be like, what's the progress on the castle? <laughs> um, but – and, like, it was kind of fun to be able to go to the theme parks regularly. Like, they're really expensive, obviously, but because we were all growing up there – like, a lot of the people who live in Orlando have a relative or family friend or something who works at one of the theme parks and can get tickets for their family or whatever. So we went a lot because usually it was free because we'd find some in. Um, and I also had, like, a year-long pass to Universal at one point because it was – they had, like, a Florida resident discount for a while that they no oh, longer yeah. offer. Um, Disney still does that, but it's very expensive. It's still ridiculously so. expensive, yeah. Um, it's like $600 or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, the theme parks are fun, but and, and I'm not going to hate on them because that was, like, super fun growing up. But other than that, um, Orlando is a city that is large and yet completely lacks a personality. Um, it's getting a little bit better or so I've heard since I left. I haven't lived there since 2010. Um, but it's still, it's the kind of place where there's lots of strip malls. There's lots of chain restaurants. It's hard to find a business that doesn't have like at least five other locations. So, you know, it's just kind of a depressing place, and the whole city is built around tourism, and I did not have a fun time growing up there. So, there's that. I'm going to take it a step down and <laughs> say, in Soperton, the town I am from, it's hard to find Georgia. a business. <laughs> period. <laughs> Um, I'm from Soperton, Georgia, which is a super small town in South Georgia. If you're familiar with Vidalia Onions, I grew up probably like 20 Wait, minutes. Wait, say it right. You gotta go Vidalia. No. I always no. get mad because Bobby Flay says Vidalia. Nah, girl. I'm like, that's wrong. Mary, and I'm Kelly if I didn't say that. Oh, yeah. This is Mary. Um, <laughs> I grew up really close to the Onion Place. I also grew up a couple <laughs> hours onions. away from Savannah, Georgia, of 
mm, I don't know, ghost fame. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day uh, fame. Savannah's cool. St. Patrick's Day, uh, what's her face who founded the Girl Scouts? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, but what uh, about Sophie? Paula Dean. Yeah. You can't talk but, about Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> Off limits. Yeah. Soberden <laughs> is very, very, very small. Everyone knows everybody. There were only about 70 people in my graduating class. And it wasn't a situation of there was another school other people graduated from. It was just my school. That was the only school in the county. Wow. Um, a lot of people are just like small farmer types by contrast i had 750 people in my graduating class oh my gosh i don't know how many people were in my graduating class i I just like um the only media (laughs) representation i've ever seen of soperton was one time a guy from soperton was on a reality competition show i think called like rising star or something and when he when it came time to tell where he was from, he was like, "Well, I'm from Soberton, Georgia, and it's just a town full of drug addiction." <laughs> oh my god! I don't know if that's true, but um, no, I I was a kid in high school who was like, "People are doing drugs." I don't what when how like, I don't know anything about that. So if people are doing stuff like that, I don't know about it. But it's just very small, very religious. You have to go, like, 30 minutes out of town to even find a chain business. Like, any kind of business. We have a grocery store named The Piglet. (laughs) It's not Piggly Wiggly, and it has nothing to do with Piggly Wiggly, but it's called The Piglet. That's cute. And we have a local pharmacy called Dinner's Drugs that has... You know, like, some home good stuff. And that's about it. Okay, well, I will make an argument that at least, you know, you have, like, a fun kind of small town situation where, like, there could be a book written about the drama and gossip of a small town. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, it is definitely, like, scenic in some respects. Like, there are some cool, weird local stuff. Like, there's a tomb a few miles out of town called Troop's Tomb, and it's, like, this grave that's all rusted over and creepy, and people would go out there at night and stuff and, like, break into it. So, I mean, like, there's there's some weird things like that. But when you're growing up in a town like that, there's nothing to do. Like, you can't see... If, if you can't drive, you can't do anything. Because your parents aren't going to take you out of town, drop you off at a movie. Yeah. And come back and get you. So, I mean, just, like, there just wasn't much to do. And most of the experiences people have in high school of going places and doing things, I just didn't have because there was nothing around there. I mean, that being said, I have, like, a lot of great memories of friends coming over to my house. My house was, like, the hangout house. And, like, we would watch movies and eat Chex Mix and just hang out at my house, which I think... I still, to this day, would rather people come to my house yeah, than me go to them. But, I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't live there. I never plan to live there again because there's just nothing for me there. 
But my parents still live there, and my dad has said over and over again, I was born here, and I'll die here. <laughs> That's not something to brag about. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you will die here, because there's not a hospital here anymore, like when you were born. I guess he's hoping to die peacefully <laughs> in his sleep. I guess. No. But Aren't we all? <laughs> it's fine. It's just pretty boring. And, like, going home, it's wild because, like, there's nothing. Like, I went home for Christmas and forgot my headphones and needed a pair of headphones. And I was like, well, I guess I just don't have headphones while I'm at home. You're just going to have to walk around like those people who play their music from their phone speaker. <laughs> I needed headphones, and I'll say this because I know my parents don't listen to this, because my dad would sit at the table with me while I was doing work, and he'd say, this isn't bothering you, right? And then he'd just loudly eat an apple or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be like, it is, actually. <laughs> this is bothering me a lot. Well, I wish yeah, headphones worked fun. for me because I'll put in headphones and my mom will just start talking to me and I can like faintly hear her voice in the background and she keeps doing it. And I take off my headphones. And I'm like, I can't hear you. She's like, sorry. And then she does it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is Emily. Um, I was born in Hammond, Louisiana, but I moved around a lot as a kid because my parents, um, were, professors and you know how it is when you're starting off as a professor you just have to move around wherever the shitty job is so that's what they did until my mom got a job at UGA um so I moved to Athens when I was seven and that's where I grew up um so I consider that my hometown that's where I go back to visit my family um that's where my brother lived um so yeah Athens is my hometown I think, you know, it was pretty cool getting to grow up in Athens, actually. Um, we have a, you know, thriving music scene there. There's lots of great restaurants to eat at. Um, I was a vegetarian um, starting at, like, the age of 10, and I don't know if that would have been a possibility for me if I didn't live somewhere like Athens. <laughs> like yeah, have fun in Mary's town. Yeah, have fun at the Piglet. Being a vegetarian. <laughs> My favorite restaurant of all time is the Grit. <laughs> The Grit Cookbook. I have been there. Is it's amazing, good. and you can get it. So you should get it. Make the make you that grit yeast gravy. So good. I had the cookbook before I went to the actual restaurant, and only had the food like me cooking it. And when I went to the restaurant, I was like, you know, like when I make it, it's good. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about someone else cooking it for you. <laughs> I do love the thing I love the most about their cookbook is all of their recipes. I feel like they didn't cut it down from the size they make it at the restaurant because no. all of their recipes are like serves <laughs> three, you know, and you're like, dang, I'm gonna have leftovers for days. Like if you um, make the gravy, it makes a whole pot of gravy. Yeah, a whole lot, of, which is fine. I'm fine with that. But anyway, um, also Athens is home of. Um, R.E.M., B-52s, Kim Basinger. Didn't know if you know that. Um, yeah, lots of cool stuff out of Athens. Lots of, like, there are a lot of really cool local Athens bands that I still love. Um, so, yeah, 
It was pretty, pretty cool. A lot cool. of local businesses and restaurants. Yeah, lots of local businesses and restaurants. Um, when I was a kid, um, not kid, kid, but like when I was in middle school, you know, me and my friends would just get dropped off downtown and walk around and hang out and pretend we were <laughs> cool townies, you know? So, oh, our favorite thing to do when we were in middle school is there was a Mexican restaurant downtown that would give you chips for free. So oh, we no. would just go into the restaurant. We wouldn't order anything except for like, queso for the chips and we would sit there for like two hours and just like chill and drink water and eat all the free chips and they hated us but we were like now we're adults we're eating out together at this cool downtown (laughs) Athens restaurant so that's what's up yeah cool my hometown I like Athens I'm not from there but it's It's in Georgia so I've been there I've never been it's really cool it's, it's a really fun place fun. to visit. I have been to Orlando, cool, though. Who hasn't? There's a cool <laughs> board game cafe in Athens. Not for Disney, though. Like, like, I mean, I have been for Disney, but I went there on a completely unrelated For what other trip reason? And went out in Orlando. <laughs> it's Wasn't it awful? I played tennis in college, and we played in a tournament there. Did you hate it? Well, no, I didn't hate it because I was, like, 19 at the time, and we went out, and all the bars were, like... They would look at our ID and be like, happy 21st birthday, and just, like, give us wristbands and, like, pour shots down our throats. So I was like, Uh, Orlando rocks. (laughs) You would love Athens, then, because every bar is like that in Athens. They never did that for me in Orlando. They're so strict. They were like, oh, her mom lives here, I bet. I was going to bar. Ooh, never mind. I didn't go to bars in high school, mom and dad. I think sometimes I was in college. Guess what? There's not a bar in (laughs) Um, Oh my and it's God. a dry county. Well, so I, uh, I'm Susan, and I grew up in Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is a suburb of Louisville, Kentucky. It's just on the Indiana side of the Ohio River. So part of its appeal is that you can literally walk to Louisville, and like that's where all the things were to do when I was growing up. Um, since they have made all these new bridges between the two places, it's actually kind of improved a ton like last time I went home there were like new bars and restaurants like locally owned stuff that like had patios you could look over the water and Justin was like this place is so cool and I'm like I don't understand what happened because <laughs> I was kind you of like, like looked on world, like, like well, when I and lived then, here yeah we actually had a bunch of stuff to do it was cool so um yeah it's like a lot of the towns like commerce is based on the river there's a big like shipping yard that employs a ton of the town um and then a lot of people work in louisville because that's where more jobs are Um, yeah but i grew up like just a couple blocks away from the river and since we're naming famous people papa john is from my hometown and he started papa john's in like the back of some dive bar that still exists there and I will go on record saying, Papa John, you suck. He does. <laughs> That's for me. That was on record. So um, stop being a racist. You're embarrassing. Well, us. if we're naming famous people. Here's the thing. Did he suck to the town? I don't. I mean. Like, not not, not in terms of, like, being racist, because we can all agree that sucks. He's a bad dude for weird racist stuff. But, like, in the town... Did I people couldn't really like tell you because before all he's, that? So he's my mom's age. He was in my mom's graduating class. 
like once Papa John's like became a thing, like he wasn't like in our town anymore, really. Dear. So I, I'm just thinking like the Chick Fil A people, because my mom lived in Jonesboro, where the Chick Fil A people, or like in College Park, Jonesboro. She lives like in the southern Atlanta area, and like no one likes them. The Chick-fil-A people. Because they just buy all the land and turn it into church stuff. Yeah. I don't think he really did that. He mostly gave money to, like, football stadiums and things like that. Like. He sounds like a fraternity bro. He might have been. He went up. to Ball State, which is where my brother went, too. Um, but, like, the the stadium where Louis- the University of Louisville plays football was named Papa John's Cardinal Stadium up until the racist shit, and then they were like, we gotta call it not that anymore, so. <laughs> you think Papa John's oh, yeah, that's kind of like what he did, was just, like, thing. give money to a bunch of other places, but probably not very, I don't know how much he even really gave to, like, our town, but. Like, does he like being called Papa? He probably likes a lot of sick shit yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. But. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, well, just to quickly mention some famous people that went to my high school, the two most important people on this planet, Joey Fatone and yes. Wayne Brady. <laughs> Y'all, I would really hang out with Wayne Brady. He seems cool. Yeah. My my high school te- uh, history teacher, my AP world history teacher, dated him when they both mm-hmm. went to the high school. That's and they were both in the sexy. theater program. And we would always bring it up. We'd be like, hey, tell us about Wayne Brady. And she'd be like, I don't talk about that. Yeah, you don't have to tell us about his D. Anyway. And you know they were sucking D because they were theater kids. Girl, I was a theater kid. Watch out. You were sucking D. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Well, guys, speaking of hometown, we're talking about this for a reason. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, honestly, both. Apply speaking also speaking D. of second D. Um, <laughs> we are discussing The Gunners, which is Rebecca Kaufman's second novel. It involves a group of people going back to their hometown. Uh, I will read the Goodreads summary. Following on her wonderfully received first novel, Another Place You've Never Been, Rebecca Kaufman returns with Mikey Callahan, a 30-year-old who is suffering from the clouded vision of macular degeneration. He struggles to establish human connections. Even his emotional life is a blur. Heavy-handed, but okay. As the novel mm-hmm. begins, he is reconnecting <laughs> with the Gunners, his group of childhood friends, after one of their members has committed suicide. Sally has had distanced herself from all of them before ending her life, and she died harboring secrets about the group and its individuals. Mikey especially needs to confront the dark secrets about his own past and his father. How much of this darkness accounts for the emotional stupor Mikey is suffering from as he reaches his maturity? And can the Gunners, prompted by Sally's death, find their way back to a new day? The core of this adventure, made by Mikey, Alice, Lynn, Jimmy, and Sam, becomes a search for the core of truth, friendship, and forgiveness. A quietly startling, beautiful book, The Gunners engages us with vividly unforgettable characters and advances Rebecca Kaufman's place as one of the most important young writers of her generation. Yowza. That's a lot of praise for Rebecca Kaufman. That seems a little dramatic. I've never heard of her other novel. Um, Also, let's just 
say now we're going to be spoiling everything that happens in this book. Yeah. And also, I guess uh, we are going to be discussing suicide a little bit. So just if that makes you uncomfortable, don't listen. And probably sexual abuse. Probably sexual abuse. Okay. So really quickly, kind of as a reminder for myself, I'm going to read the names of these people again because it did take me a sec to start keeping them straight. Um, Mikey is our main character. The other gunner that lived in the hometown still was Sally. She is the one who commits suicide. The other two girls' names are Alice and Lynn, and the other two boys are Jimmy and Sam. And we'll talk more in detail about who is who, but just quick refresher. So Thank you. Basically, the beginning of the book, we find out that Sally has committed suicide by jumping from a bridge um, or like an overpass situation in this hometown of Lackawanna. Lackawanna? Is that right? Sure. Sure. Lackawanna. Sounds like it's near Buffalo. Um, And the group all makes their way back to go to the funeral and then they are, they've made plans to stay the night at Jimmy's lake house because Jimmy has gotten rich and moved to California. Um, so they're going to spend the whole weekend together. Um, and no one knows anything that's been going on with Sally for a very long time because like around before high school started, she just kind of ghosted the group. <laughs> so, or wasn't it like midway through high school? I thought school? it was like freshman year of high school or something like early on in high school sorry did i say before early. yeah My you bad. said before i think it i thought it was like age 15 ish or something okay right? well it had to be after yeah. that because yeah. um that thing that happened with um what's his face okay so um sam tries to bring her a gift on her oh, they were 16th birthday so it had to they be were 16. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> in high school, so they've been they hang they start hanging out in elementary school and they make this club um, that they call the Gunners because they hang out in an abandoned house and the mailbox says the Gunners. So they become this little club and they hang out through elementary school, middle school, and then up until age 16. And all of a sudden, Sally ghosts and no one knows why, and she never talks to any of them again, and even you know, way after high school, now they're 30, she sees Mikey in the town sometimes and just ignores him. So there's still, no one knows what's going on. So definitely no one knows, like, the circumstances surrounding her death. But of course, they want to know. So they start to talk to each other. Where were their parents while they were hanging out in this abandoned house is what I want to know. (laughs) I don't know. Like... That seems also like bizarre. are abandoned houses just like sitting around for kids to go in? Like, is that a thing? It felt like it felt like a book that should have taken place much earlier yeah. than the present mm-hmm. because I know like my dad has talked about just like roaming around town with his friends on their bikes, you know. Mm, yeah, and I think. That's something parents used to be a lot more cool but with. But if they're, if it's present day and they're like 30, then this was like early 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 
I feel like the only time you see abandoned houses like that that you could actually get into that aren't like boarded up or something are yeah. going to be in like a really economically depressed area. And it doesn't sound like this is yeah. that bad. Yeah. Sounds know, like y'all. individual families might be in that situation, but it doesn't sound like it's in like a shitty. I have a lot of logistical issues with this story just in general. So when you're ready for Emily's workshop corner, <laughs> just let me know. Because we I'm will here. get to Emily's workshop corner. It's a good corner. First, I want to talk about secrets. Yes. Secrets. Secrets. Okay, hey, yeah. So the novel is basically all about secrets between secrets. the friends and then between family members. So I want to talk about the secrets that Sally has with individual members of the group and then what happens when they're revealed and kind of how those stories let us see Sally in a little more of a full character way. Um, Hold off talking about Mikey's Mm -hmm. big, big secret because that's like its own thing. (laughs) Yeah. So just that's the... The yeah. ultra ultimate secret. Yeah. <laughs> so like every single chapter was like revealing a new secret. Yeah. And here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to just like lay my cards out early when I say this. But here's my thing. Revealing secrets over and over again is not a plot. Yeah. <laughs> it. Well, <laughs> I don't disagree. It's you know, after a few chapters, I was like, it's established that Sally had secrets with people, and now we're going to figure out what those secrets were. And it was fun, like, trying to guess or speculate what secrets she had with different people. Even though it's like there's not, like, there was a ton yeah. to go on sometimes, but it was still fun Yeah, I thought it was me. interesting that it was set up kind of as a mystery at the beginning of the book. Not just her death, but it not her death wasn't the mystery as much as why she left their group in the first place. And so you kind of like have this you're under the impression that the main thing we're gonna find out as we read, or like the driving force of the book is like, why did she leave? Like why did she stop talking to them? So they get to the house and we assume we're going to find that specifically out at the house. But then instead of just finding that out, we find out like all of this different stuff that was going on um, and all of these small secrets. And I think a lot of that accumulated is like her actual reason for leaving along with the other larger secret, which we will talk about. But um, um, I thought it was, entertaining to learn a lot of this stuff and I was when I knew that we were going to learn something new whenever one of the characters would be like oh I got to tell you something I'd be like "Ooh, what's gonna what's it gonna be like you know it was like Mm. being in a gossip circle or Mm -hmm. something yeah it felt gossipy yeah in in sort of like a safe way because we know it's a fictional novel right Right. It kind of reminded me, like the plot devices you were just talking about, reminded me. I'm I'm telling this to you, Mary, uh, of <laughs> uh, Colorless by Haruki Murakami. Oh yeah. So, uh, Mary and I both taught this book. That's why I'm I'm bringing it up to her. But like, um, I can't remember the guy's entire entire name, but it's like Colorless Guru Tazaki or something like. I don't know. I'm gonna mess it up if I try. But it's something like that. 
Um, I can't remember what his last name is. His first name's definitely Skuru. Um, but yeah, basically, like, his friend, like, that he had a friend group, and everyone in the group was based off of a color except for him, and that's why he calls himself colorless. But he's, like, trying to figure out what happened that broke up the friend group, because nobody in the friend group is talking to him anymore. And so he's, like, seeking them out to try to figure out, like, why no one wants to talk to him anymore. And he's, like, finding out all these secrets about the group and stuff, and I guess secrets he didn't realize about himself. Um, <laughs> for instance, uh, there's a blowjob that he gets, and he's like, was that a dream? And I'm like, no, nah, dude, that was not. But anyway, oh and then he goes off and is like, I'm not gay. I'm like, yeah, but you definitely <laughs> but let that dude give you a blowjob. And then, like, we're like, why doesn't he want to talk to me the next day? Like, all right. Anyway, uh, it was an interesting book, but it, like that part of this, not like the friend group and like the mysterious, like separating of the friend group. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like reminded me of this. Um, and also just like the, the sense that both um Skuru and Mikey who is our main point of view character and we kind of get point of view point of view of everyone in the past but in the present tense storyline Mikey is our point of view character um and both he and Skuru both kind of feel like outsiders in different ways um Skuru feels like he doesn't have a personality um he's colorless um Mikey actually does not have a personality um yeah. <laughs> but he also like he's emailing his friends and stuff and he feels kind of like he's being left behind because he still lives in the hometown and most of them moved away and they seem to have lives and he feels like he doesn't um so i don't know i saw some parallels he has there. a cat he does have a cat which is really all you need yeah and all a cat needs is a chair please email us <laughs> i understand mikey's concern that there's something wrong with him sort of socially and i understand how he feels disconnected from people but also his life doesn't seem awful you know it seems like he's not trying to go out and connect with people that he doesn't want to and so he stays at home and he does stuff with his cat you know like hangs out with his cat and that sounds fine i really wanted like, I kept waiting. At the end of this novel, I wanted Mikey to come to the realization that he's asexual. Yeah, yeah, me like, too. Like, I was reading him as an asexual character, and I was kind of disappointed that they didn't lean into that more. Because it seemed like there were hints that he wasn't really interested in sex. Um, I mean, the most notable hint is when one of the people was like, hey, let's have sex right here. And he's like, no. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I was kind of, <laughs> is there such a thing as asexual baiting? Because that's <laughs> what this felt like. Well, also, I feel I felt like Mikey kind of was not just asexual, but seemed incapable of feeling love in, or, you know, wasn't sure if he was capable of feeling love, and then later sort of comes around on it, I guess. But he sort of has this feeling like, I ha- I don't love my dad. I don't know that I love my friends. Alice tells him that she loves him, like, in a, in a friend way, and he just can't even say it back to her. And he's like, I don't know that I love you. And I think he has some kind of, like, social connection issue because he's clearly, like, 
he's a virgin also. Um, and not that that's a problem, but like that's made a point of as far as potential asexuality. But he's kind of like he's never had a girlfriend. He's never like yeah. Well, I mean, like it's not the fact that he's never had those things. It's the fact that he like doesn't seem yeah. interested about those things in those things. Yeah. And the only reason that it even comes up is like people keep asking him about it. Yeah. But like he doesn't really seem bothered. Yeah. I don't know. But then he still still is determined to keep these friendships going. Yeah. Which is interesting. I so everybody has a secret. Yes, back to the secret. Getting away from secrets. Well, I think Mikey's secret yeah. that he still hasn't revealed is that he's asexual, so it still counts. But anyway, yeah. go on. Every everybody has a secret with Sally more or less, right? Yeah. So Yeah. Trying to think about what everybody's... Well, I mean, so, Alice's so, was yeah. that they were, like, experimenting sexually together and were kind of, I mean... They were together. Kind of like Yeah, I mean, I would also. say they were, like... Yeah, but she sounded like... It sounded like Alice was more invested in the emotional relationship than... Yeah. Than yeah. Sally was. Um, and so that was... That was theirs. Yeah, and also it should be said that it like basically as they reveal these secrets to each other, they all sort of preface it with I like the I know the reason that Sally left and it's cuz of me. And this yeah. is why. And so it turns out that every person thinks that their secret with Sally is responsible for her leaving and you know, and then they all feel like a separate portion of guilt for her eventual Except death. Except Mikey. Does Mikey ever say that he feels no. responsible? No, well, but then really it turns yeah, out... Yeah, I know, but like, yeah. as far as he knows, yeah. he doesn't have a secret with her that makes him responsible. Right. Right. Um, Sam, um, can we talk about Sam's secret? Oh, God. Because yeah, uh, he, like, basically tried to rape her. Yeah. It was awful. It was not great. Well, I think he's... I mean, he stopped way short of rape but he yeah. definitely sexually assaulted her yeah. like yeah um i mean he like forced her to kiss him and then um touched her boobs yeah aggressively we'll say and then i guess kind of immediately in the moment was like oh fuck this is terrible oh well and too then, late you're yeah. already terrible Right, and then yeah. apologized a bunch and was very upset about it, and she said that it was okay, and it's she forgave not. him, but he, like, never forgave himself, and he shares it with the group, and he's, you know, he's upset, like, he's crying, and most people seem sympathetic, and Mikey's like, nah, fuck him. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, and Sam thinks that Mikey knew about it because... He sees Sally leaving Mikey's house crying. Oh no, it was but it Jimmy. turns out. No, no, it was Mikey's house. Oh no. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, so that was for a different reason, which we yeah. will discuss later. Um, but also people see Sally coming out of Jimmy's house all the time. Um, and Sam saw Sally coming out of Jimmy's house before he went to give her the present and everything and before he tried to force her force himself on her he saw her coming out of Jimmy's and he assumed that uh she was fucking Jimmy well she he also yeah, saw he sees her bodies in a bed, in a bed. oh yeah but she he doesn't but see he who saw it her is. with Alice yeah. yeah yeah what he saw was Alice yeah, yeah. 
but conveniently, Alice was under the covers. Right. Probably doing. And conveniently, Alice is really tall, so could probably pass at quick glance for a man's body. Um, But, um, so yeah, that was another secret. And then Sally was always over at Jimmy's because they were just really close friends because she would go over and sleep at Jimmy's because it turned out that her mom's boyfriend was um, sexually abusing her. Yeah. And Jimmy is super gay, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Jimmy's secret is that he's gay. And so yeah, and only they Sally sort of told each other yeah. that um, yeah. they kind of were sharing how they they were both questioning their sexuality because obviously Sally was questioning hers as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lynn, um, this is a little different than the other ones, but Lynn yeah. started drinking really early on. Um, we see, like, we see that when she's a kid, but she drinks pretty heavily, and then she starts, like, using pills and harder drugs in high school, and she, um, was buying drugs, and Sally saw her doing it, and she, I guess, threatened Sally and confronted her with such she was really nasty to her about it and about not telling anyone about it, and so she thought after that confrontation that that was why Sally left. Meanwhile, Mike, Mikey's like, I'm, y'all are all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just over here trying to hang out with my cat. So yeah. Should we talk about the big secret then? Yeah. I mean, why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> why the hell not? Well, what I... Just go for it. No, the reason we have to talk about this anyway is because I was wondering with those other secrets, like, do we really learn much about Sally? No. Not at all. No. Because, no. like, none so. of that really tells us, like, why she left. But, um, anyway, this one kind of does let you learn a little bit about Sally. So, when Jimmy shows up very late to his own lake house, um, <laughs> for no apparent reason, <laughs> they're just like, he had a bunch of flights delayed or whatever. And, like, like what was the point of making him be so late? I don't I know. I have but no anyway. idea. Yeah. Oh, my Emily God. Texted it drove me, me that. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just so I, I was it, I was expecting it to be some like clue Mr. Body shit. You know? Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah, I thought he was kind of like gonna be setting them up or something. Yeah. Like, but then no, he thing. just shows up and yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> um go write that book though, Rebecca Kaufman. Do a sequel or just like a reimagining of that. But think Mr. <laughs> Body. Write fan fiction. So add in harder. <laughs> Um, he shows up and he pulls, um, he pulls Mikey aside and is like, I need to talk to you about something, just us. And the suspense starts to kill Mikey. And then people are like, oh, let's drink again. He's like, okay, Mikey, we'll do this later. And Mikey's like, what the fuck is it though? Oh my God. (laughs) I would be, I would literally, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, no, we're going outside and you're gonna tell me right fucking now what you're talking yeah, about well, Mikey, because, that's not mikey especially because <laughs> the next day though jimmy is acting like this has been killing him but the night before he's just like i'll get back to you <laughs> so anyway uh the next day after everyone has left mikey and jimmy go eat lunch at some divey sounding place that they used to eat at in high school um and jimmy's like this is going to be big, dude. 
So just get ready. But your dad is not your dad. (laughs) And Sally knew that about you. And he's like, hold up. Who's my dad then? (laughs) He's like, I don't know. That guy's just some neighbor. So, so, this is complicated. (laughs) All right. But it turns out Sally's mom is your mom. Sally is your sister. Mm-hmm. Half. 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 Wait, sister. Half, half sister. So. Which makes me happy they were not romantically involved. Right. We did not have a Luke Leia <laughs> situation here. That really could have. We're good yeah. to go. Well, and he always called Sally his first friend. And now, see, it's actually very true. Like, literally from, like, her birth. Mm-hmm. Or his birth. His birth. So he's he a younger. year younger than the rest of the group, but. And he knew Sally first, and he lived down the street from Sally. And he was raised by a single dad, and it sounded like his mom had left, and no one really knew much about her, and his dad didn't talk about her, so he didn't know his mom. Sally's down the street living with a single mom who was, like, clearly an alcoholic um, and having a lot of men over. And apparently what happened, so what happened was... (laughs) What had happened was... What had happened was... Sally's mom has both of the kids living there because it's her kids. And Mr. Callahan, now known as Mikey's dad, came over for some reason. What was the reason? No, so the, so Mikey wandered into his yard one day. Oh, yeah. Wandered, which, like, right. honestly mm-hmm. happens with my Sims toddlers all the time. They just wander out into the street. So... Been there. Yeah, that's what happens so, in Pet Cemetery too. But this is a real toddler, not a sim toddler. See, this so. is why I shouldn't have explained it because I'm doing a horrible job. No, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Book like three weeks ago. I'm just, I'm just trying. <laughs> Normally, to help. I'm so fresh. I had just finished. <laughs> yeah, you're doing good. I, it's fuzzy for me too because I also finished it. Well, it's fresh for me. So anyway, he's like, "Well, let me return this bebe." Yeah. So Mikey had wandered into the yard, and Mr. Callahan brought him back over. And apparently the living situation that he witnessed in the house was enough for him to say he was not giving this kid back. Right. We, <laughs> so, he never says what that was. But it was fine to yeah, leave Sally won't. there. Yeah. Um, but something terrible. So it, but he apparently tried to take Sally, but Sally wouldn't go. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he like asked her and she, yeah. if she wanted to go oh. and she said no. So he, he was like, was a I. Child. Seems like he would try harder. She was like I don't four. Know. <laughs> yeah. So he takes Mikey home, and they work out some sort of deal where this is like okay. And yeah, yeah I have questions about the legality of all of this, but basically, but he's not the legal guardian. How are you going to register your kid for school under your name if you're not his legal guardian? Um, yeah, I had questions about that too, but... So anyway, this Somebody guy raises me. Mikey, and they always have kind of a standoffish relationship, and now it makes sense because that guy was just your neighbor. <laughs> but... Um, he ain't your dad. I mean, this is... Or your guardian. But, it seems to be a very kind dude for doing that. <laughs> it just... Does this does this um, suppose then? Does yeah. this novel suppose that 
to be a true father, you have to be a biological father? No. I think the novel is saying that the opposite of that. Because I think once Mikey learns that his dad did this for him, he feels closer to him than he ever has. Like, he feels more... Yeah, and then he goes to visit him at work and sees, like, how hard he works and all this stuff. And learns that he, like, talks about him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, sees his dad differently. Yeah. But the whole novel, Mikey's like, oh, I just don't have anything with my father. He's just so gruff and well, they're both whatever. And I'm kind of like, you're the same way, Mikey. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it's they're both just really emotionally stunted. <laughs> like when they do finally start to talk about some of this stuff, they don't even really talk about it directly. It's like they're sort of talking around it, and then when Mikey gets emotional, his dad looks away until he's done. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's as deep as that conversation goes. But I guess they came to an understanding, so. But this was the big, the big, big secret, because Sally found out about this and then confirmed it with her mom and then went and confronted Mr. Callahan about it. And that is why she was leaving mm-hmm. Mikey's house um, right. when Sam saw her. And he said not to tell Mikey. And so the only person that she feels she can confide in is her gay friend, Jimmy. So she goes to Jimmy and dumps this you know, on Everyone's got to have their gay BFF yeah. to confide in. So she goes to Jimmy and tells him about it and makes him promise not to tell. And Jimmy is like, um, look. I know that they're adults, but I feel like they're telling you the wrong thing. And this is a lot for you to just, like, not tell a person. And mm-hmm. he didn't feel comfortable keeping the secret either, but she made him promise, so he did. And now that Sally is dead, Jimmy's like, I gotta tell you. So that is probably the closest reason to why she actually left the group. <laughs> because that one yeah. makes it really awkward. Yeah. I just, my thing is, like, why didn't she, well, I guess because Mikey's dad didn't want Mikey to know. But, like. Why? Why? I mean, I guess because it would hurt him that his mom didn't want him. Either way, his mom didn't want him. Because, like, as far as he knows, his mom disappeared. Because if she had died, it wouldn't be, like, we don't speak of her. Like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just, when this happened, when this secret was revealed, my feelings about the book shifted significantly. Mm. Because up until this point, I was kind of on, I was on board. Okay. I was, for the first like 50 or so pages of this book, I was really loving it, actually. Yeah. Um, I really liked the characters. I thought it was well written. And I was like, I'm down to see where this goes. Like, I'm really enjoying this a lot. And then I feel like at some point during the weekend party, it started to kind of get like, where are we going with this? And then once this secret was revealed, I was like, this is absurd. (laughs) Like, it just sort of took on like a – it became so unrealistic so quickly that I just, I just, I couldn't suspend my disbelief any longer. No. Yeah, there's also still quite a bit of book left. 
Yeah. yeah. It's After like, that happens. It's like, like three-fourths of the way through. Yeah, because one of the things that happens at this lake house is that Lynn gets engaged, I say this in air quotes, um, to her <laughs> man. And they plan a wedding for like a month later, which stressed mm-hmm. me out. Right. And... <laughs> They're like, so everyone should come because, like, you know, we haven't seen each other in this long. So now we're going to do it twice in, like, a month, which is really intense. Um, and I was like, what can happen at this thing? Um, nothing. Yeah, not much, really. Nothing. Um, you see that, I guess you really start to see Alice and Mikey becoming really good friends and really relying on each other. In different ways. Yeah. I guess that's when, like, the final... You see Lynn get married, so, but... Like, sort of secret is revealed w- that Alice has been keeping from Mikey, I guess, that she wants to have a kid, and she really wants him to be her sperm donor. Wow. I forgot yeah. about that. Right. And then he refuses to do it because he's going blind, and it's hereditary, and he doesn't want to pass that along. Which, if Mikey has a secret, it's that. He basically keeps from his friends yeah. that he is going blind, because... But, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Mikey. Hi, Cersei. She's on her chair, everyone. Here's the thing about Mikey that makes him a difficult POV character. Um, and I think is the main reason, just to get into workshop corner for a second here, um, the main reason that... Edging into workshop corner. Edging into workshop corner here. It's just working out. Um, as a POV character, he doesn't have any real, like, wants pushing him forward. Like, he wants to find out about Sally, but he's also not, like, very proactive about it. He's just like, oh, okay. Like, he doesn't really want for anything. And the thing that yeah. I think pointed that out for me the most is like at the beginning of the novel, he finds out he's going blind, but he doesn't really seem like bothered by it. Like it doesn't really propel him to do anything. It doesn't make him think like I'm going blind soon. Like there's like, I I need to take care of this before that happens or anything like that. Like it doesn't really do anything. He just like, it's like, all right, well let me start practicing for when I'm blind so that I'll be ready. Yeah, I feel like everything about his character that is revealed or that happens to him ultimately has no consequence because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. (laughs) And so it just makes it really hard to follow him as the main character because everything just kind of like rolls off his back. Yeah, he's like an extreme version of like Nick from The Great Gatsby, who's like the observer character, but he's like doesn't have feelings. <laughs> right. Or he does, but barely. Right. This totally answers my second question, which was like, how does Mikey work as the protagonist? He does not. I thought, right. Well, I was like, this is a, a weird well, I, place to start from. Yeah. I just think but. like, you don't, you don't need to have like a really strong plot where like this happens and this happens and this happens in order to have a good story. Yeah. What you do need to have are characters that want things and have like a feeling of urgency about them or that like that either like want something and get it or work towards getting it or work towards changing in some way. Um, I guess Mikey changes in the end just in like how he views his father, but it's very small. It's like not enough to pull me through a book. And it's not 
related enough to his to the purpose of the book, which is kind of about the friendships. I feel like right. his thing with his dad is a significant emotional moment for him, but it doesn't really tie back to the other people in the group other than Sally, but she's dead. So right. it just like the structure confused me as far as like why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. It reads like somebody's MFA thesis. Yes. It really reminded me of, like, I know we talked about The Big Chill, and the reason that it reminds people of The Big Chill is because the plot's actually similar. Look, it's a tried and true plot. It. Yeah, but, but it also reminded me of St. Almost Fire in the way that not that much is actually happening. Mm. But in kind of a on a lesser level, the boys in the band, like these things that take place in like small spaces. And it's just like about revealing things. And like, it's just about talking. Yeah. Yeah. But I think didn't like do enough of that. And then they left that space and it got way less interesting to me after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the other issue is that we spend so much time in the present, but everything important already happened. So if, if we had more, if, if it was mostly flashbacks and occasionally in the present, but we spent, like, most of the time in the present, so it was mostly people saying, well, this happened and this happened and this happened, but nothing new is really happening. I thought something, I thought it was going to be a situation where they were going to be, I thought all of the action was going to take place in the lake house. Me too. I thought they were going to get stuck there or something, or that the Jimmy thing was going to be a thing, but that... The reason this would be exciting and stuff would get eventually revealed on, you know, a more than a just like, here's a secret, here's another one level. Right. Is because they would be stuck there. Yeah, it'd be like a tense, but, like, we're snowed in, we can't leave. Yeah. Um, and I like that kind of shit. Me like, too. I love, I love that. that. Like, all takes place in one room. <laughs> and I love <laughs> stuff that's fully character driven. So, yeah. like, this should have worked for me, mm-hmm. but it, it did not. Yeah, it's. I seriously think it's like the the big mistake of this book is leaving the cabin. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm a total sucker for movies that take place in one room, mm-hmm. like Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. I have not seen that. So good. It's like these two guys kill another guy, and it's right before a big party, and so they hide his body. And the whole book, or the whole movie takes place in one room. I, so, like, I'm predisposed to like stuff like this. And I enjoyed this book. I'm not going to act like I didn't enjoy it. But I think that there are things to critique about it. it. I mean, like, it ultimately didn't take me so long to read that I stopped, like, caring about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it... It lags in parts, and I agree that it's, like, a huge mistake to leave the cabin because there could have been a lot of dramatic tension there from being trapped and, like, forcing to confront the past or whatever. But, but like, once you leave, it feels like a denouement that's too long. Also, like, another thing that would have been cool about trapping them there is there were two outsiders in there with them. And, Mm -hmm. like, I thought that was really going to go somewhere awesome. And then, like, one of them later is gone. She's been dumped. So she's like, she doesn't even come back. And mm-hmm. she was just like, the other stereotypically one just like obnoxious. And is not important. 
Yeah, it was like po- completely pointless to have her there. Yeah, that's why I was amazed that we left <laughs> because I was like, the only reason you'd have these two outsiders in here is like, gonna, it's really gonna like stir this pot somehow. And it, they didn't. Like one of them just like went to bed. Like, I don't know much <laughs> about writing, but I do know that if you make a decision, you should have a reason for it in your book. <laughs> and it yeah. seemed like almost half of what happened here yeah. happened for no absolutely reason. I would counter. You do know a lot about writing. That also. Mm. Yeah, you do. I know a lot about reading. I need a lot about reading. So, <laughs> I mean. Uh, so, Susan um, had this quote in the doc to discuss, and I found it in my book. So, I'm just going to read it. So, Sam and Mikey are talking about what Sam did to Sally. And um, Sam says... I know you don't think I'm a good man. You couldn't. Mikey thought of Lynn's words from earlier. That's what friends are for, isn't it? To tell you you're good, even if you're bad. He couldn't decide if he agreed with this. There were a lot of things he couldn't feel sure about. He couldn't speak for Sally on how much that moment with Sam had affected her, the scope of the impact. It might have changed everything. It might have changed very little. Mikey gazed at Sam's pink face, which timorously awaited a response. He couldn't quite bring himself to say, you're good, or we're good, or even, it's okay. Instead, he placed his hand on Sam's round, warm shoulder and said the truest thing he could think of. You are my dear friend. Sam gripped Mikey's hand and said, you are my dear friend. Mikey wondered if having a dear friend and being a dear friend might be almost as good as being a good man. I mean, I think it's it's significant that it's Mikey thinking this because Mikey seems to have so loose a grasp on what it means to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I think he is trying to work through the, you know, proper way to act because he doesn't connect with people like other people seem to. And so Mikey making this observation like, hmm, well, maybe being a friend and having a friend, that's kind of like the same thing as just being good, right? (laughs) Because he doesn't understand anything. I, Mary, would say no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, being a good friend is maybe, like, part of being good. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's interesting because it makes you think, like, what makes you a good person could, could be less, you know who you are but more what you mean to other people yeah but also if you do something terrible you can't be like well i have friends so no that excuses it because they like me so why don't you doesn't work that way Mm -mm. and yet like look at every time like a politician for Mm -hmm. example does something horrible it's like but all his friends said that. Ted Bundy had like Brent Kavanaugh. Like, you know, like, okay, but that doesn't make him. I watched the Ted Bundy tape. To this particular Take woman. a Brett Kavanaugh, for example. That's the <laughs> Or Ted Bundy, y'all. Take a Ted Bundy, for example. Like, everyone he went to church with Take a thought Manson, he was the greatest. For example. Oh, man, everybody had a lot has of friends. friends. Exactly. And they all said he's he like a whole cool family. and peaceful guy. Yeah. Ask mm-hmm. other people, not so much. So no. Anyway, that's to say, 
Mm. We disagree, I think, wholeheartedly. At least Mikey is trying to feel, yeah. right? Mikey's wrong. Mikey's, Mikey sounds like a child trying to work through a Well, project. he also goes by Mikey, which is a really childish fucking name. It's true. Mikey also says, at various times in life, we're either more or less true to who we really are. Do you think people change? Or do you think they just, like, become more who they really are? So I'm reminded of a quote from my so-called life. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Now, you just have to picture this in, like, emo Angela Chase voice. Okay. All right. Can you do it for us? No. Uh, Because I want to laugh. So, all right. Anyway, I love this show. I would never make fun of this show. Um. People always say how you should be yourself, like yourself is this definite thing, like a toaster or something, like you know what it is even, but every so often I'll have like a moment when just being myself and my life, like where I am, is like enough. I'm just saying, like, what does that mean to be yourself, I guess, is my point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really define being yourself and who you perceive yourself to be might not be how others perceive exactly. you. And, like, what is the true self if it's not right. what you perceive yourself to be? I think the self that you are is different to every person who knows you. And I think um, most people, I don't know if I would include Mikey in this, but most people are very complicated. And I think boiling yourself down to like this is the true me yeah it's kind of unrealistic it's hard i mean i have friends i have a large group of friends from high school that i'm still friends with and I, fuck, not me fuck those people yeah but anyway go well on. so i like have an experience of knowing people when they were very young and knowing them now when we're like almost in our 30s much like the characters in this book and you know, in my experience, like, I think most of the people that I am friends with from my youth are still the people they were then in in a lot of ways. Like, but I can't see their internal I- interpretation of themselves. But in my mm-hmm. I- interpretation of them, you know. I guess there's, like, different types of change. I think people can change... If they are motivated internally to change, you know, like if you decide I want to stop a certain behavior or I'm going to really investigate Mm -hmm. some of my beliefs and question them, like you can change, but you can't change other people. If that makes sense. Like you can't externally be a force to force someone else to change, but I think people can change, but they gotta yeah. to want to change. I guess also maybe the people that I am thinking of are people who I thought were pretty decent people to begin with. So, because <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't still be yeah. friends with them. But, uh, right. Yeah. I do think it's interesting to think about, like, if there is an essential thing that is you. That you can't ever stray too far from your personality or whatever, or your sense of humor. Yeah. Or for someone to say, like, that behavior was not like Sam. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it is like Sam because Sam fucking did it. So, Mm -hmm. like, if I did something terrible once, can I now become a person who, if presented with that situation, I wouldn't do that now? You know? I think so. Mm -hmm. But also. Yeah, I think you can. But it doesn't erase 
it happening before. Yeah. All right. Um, on that note, do we have any other closing thoughts about this book? I gave this book a two. Wait, let's enter Emily's workshop corner now. Um, Air your grievances. Well, I covered a lot of it, but I think just in general, I had a lot of problems logistically with the story. It felt very sensational. Um, I didn't really get the whole, like, secret brother thing. Um, also, there were just, like, a lot of things that just weren't researched at all. Like, and I know I bitched about this already, you guys, but... <laughs> they refer to themselves as Gen X. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, y'all are millennials. People who are in their 30s right now are millennials. Yeah, if you were born from like 1980, it's 1984 to 1999. It's 1980. Is it? Yeah. She looked it up because she was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we found out recently so. that Justin squeaked in. As a millennial, just barely. Yeah. He 81 it right in there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you can say so, stuff about millennials if you want me. So 80 to 99? Yeah, something like I thought it was 90, 80 to 97, but maybe it's 99. Um, but yeah, uh, so they're definitely millennials. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like, it's just little things like that. That, like, you just gotta fact check because it just takes you out of the world of the book. Um, if they're complaining about millennials and talking about how, like, Gen X is better. And y'all are, like, in your early 30s, you're definitely millennials. Um, I already said my whole thing about, um, characters and, uh, you know, like, it's okay to have a character-driven book, but, like, you actually have to have, like, once or, like, you have to change in some way. Um, we don't have any of that. I mean, I kept reading because the book moved really quickly. Mm-hmm. And by reading, I mean, I listened to it. Um, but the whole time I was like, what am I, what am I reading to? to? I don't know, like, what I keep, what am I reading to find out? You know? Um, and I will say, because I am not opposed to listening to something really quickly. Um, <laughs> pretty much like, the wet, like from the wedding to the end, I had it on 2.5 speed. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm done. Let's get this that over with. So I gave it a two. So a chipmunk read this book to Emily. Just the last part. I read everything. I listened to everything else like regular speed. Also, I didn't like the narrator. He was, he like kind of had this like childish quality to his voice. But again, like maybe that's like, it's Mikey. He's kind of childish, but all right. I gave it a three. I and we've all talked about like how we all rate books differently. Yeah. I gave it a three just because I enjoyed it while I was reading it. I definitely have critiques of it. And a lot of the same critiques you guys have. But I I more or less enjoyed it. Yeah. So I gave it a three. I feel like I would give it a two and a half, but I'm like yeah. bumping it up to a three. I really liked Alice as a character, and I think that that's the main reason that I'm giving it a three. Because I think she was, like... Yeah, I identified with Alice. Yeah. She was very, like, fully formed, and Mm -hmm. I enjoyed her. And, 
You know, I think Mikey was a fully formed character, too. He just shouldn't have been the narrator. And also, he should have just come out as asexual. <laughs> yeah. That would have bumped that this up at least half a star for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also gave it a three. The story had a lot of elements of stories that I typically like. And so I think I was set up to like a lot of this. Um, and it... It did move quickly for me, and I enjoyed it while I was reading it. Like, I wanted to keep reading it. I never felt like, ugh, when's yeah. it going to be over? And I think that I would, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone who asked me for a book recommendation, but I feel like there are people that would like this, that I would feel comfortable being like, yeah, you would like this book. So, And it's not like it's going to take you so long to read that, like, you know, your life is ruined significantly if you spend time on it. But I like to think of twos as things I wouldn't really recommend to other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you have and it. And fours are things I would, like, probably recommend to anybody. What about these? And a five is Annihilation. <laughs> five is room, and everyone can get on yeah. that level. Get on the room level. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, like... I enjoyed it. I also was in Switzerland when I read it, so that could have had an effect. Yeah. I, it probably did. I mean, it's kind of like how I read Prisoner of Azkaban when I was in Japan, and so, like, that book... I mean, that is my favorite Harry Potter book, but also, like, real special. Yeah. Also, cool. I love Japan. Just want to throw that out there. Alright. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Yay! Another Good book job. in the books, if you will. <laughs> have some listener feedback on the power we have a piece of listener feedback from kim in hattiesburg she says bravo on the episode i wanted to pose one question or musing before it slips my mind because i have to get back to work y'all this is from facebook so maybe (laughs) kim you were on facebook at work but not working oh my gosh uh she says could it be that the escalation of violent retaliation in the early days of the power is directly related to the age or immaturity of the most powerful, who were teenagers as young as 12. And the episode's best quote was, it is the other way around, and we are mad. Right? (laughs) Heart. Heart emoji. Right? Thanks, Kim. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that could have something to do with it, because if I was a teenager and had this power suddenly I would go buck wild Mm -hmm. for sure you don't understand me dad sap I always used to think people were saying butt wild when they said that butt wild yeah (laughs) wow sometimes that really gives it a whole new meaning (laughs) wild as a butt (laughs) (laughs) get on over here and go butt wild (laughs) wild as a butt (laughs) <laughs> i think that's a good point though yeah yeah good point and also i don't know who said that quote but it's true i think it was you oh <laughs> i think well, that was right i don't know who did it but yes yes whoever yes me yes susan <laughs> just high fives all around good job Woo, yeah. thank you yeah. so much kim for reading along Woo. all right let's get butt wild on the blog now there is so much happening on the blog right now. I wanted to clear this week, Merry Week on the blog. It is Merry Week. It's Merry Week. 
By the time you're listening to this, it's no longer Merry Week. Merry Week had happened. <laughs> it's done now. Merry Week is in its peak We're right in the now. middle of peak Merry Week. It's like yeah. Shark Week, but with Mary. It's just Mary blogging every day. <laughs> <laughs> Mary is killing it with the blog posts. Just... <laughs> Thank goodness. It's because Sweet Todd is so excited about Survivor. And I'm really excited about Survivor, too. But he was like, what if we do first impressions like you guys do for The Bachelor and we look at all of them? Aww. And I was like, okay, we can do that. And so we just sat down at the table together and typed that blog post. But I was like, you realize this is us doing this post tonight, me doing a post tomorrow, and then us doing a Survivor recap because it starts this week. And he was like, yeah, that's okay, right? Yeah. And I was like, it's fine. Yeah, I'm it's fine more than me. happy. I guess that... That is to say, Todd and I are recapping Survivor this season. It's the content no one asked for, <laughs> but that we are <laughs> delivering yeah. to you. Uh, Survivor is that a lot like needs. The Bachelor. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need, and that's yeah. Survivor recaps. Survivor is, I will argue, a lot like The Bachelor, and it's incredibly fun to watch, and Todd and I have very different preferences about Survivor. We've watched some old seasons together, and he's much more like into cutthroat players. And I'm like, I just like the people who are nice. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, so we, we have very different takes on it. So I'm excited to get to talk about it with him. It is not going to be as funny, probably, as my favorite Bachelor recap. Aw, you're so sweet. Yeah. So, Bachelor recaps are happening, and it's appropriate that we talked about our hometowns today on this episode, because the next recap you're going to see is hometown episodes. It's time. (laughs) Including a trip to Birmingham, my current home and new hometown. (laughs) You didn't see them Um, filming around anywhere? Well, no, because it was like in October, apparently. Were you not there I mean... Yeah, but I didn't know there was a girl from Birmingham on The Bachelor here You just gotta keep your eyes peeled at all times in case. I just don't... I don't have the energy, but I do want to see where they go. Yeah, I understand. So I can be like, I have already eaten there. I'm just as cool as an Instagram influencer. I do that with Queer Um, Eye because they film in Atlanta, and I'm always like, yo, I know that place. Like, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Also recapping... Riverdale. Wow, you yeah. sound so excited. Here today, Riverdale. Here tomorrow. Here forever. Because it just got renewed for season four, baby. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys can quit. Never. Never. We will we die on this ship. ship. You heard it here first. We I, will. I like Riverdale still. Still, I mean, it's. It's wild to see what they come up with every season because it never makes complete sense. It never ceases to amaze me. Let's just put it that it's, way. It's truly a, every fanfic writer's dream. It is. And I They're I like, like it. which couple hasn't been together yet? Let's try it out. Let's give it a try. I mean, try. that sounds like Gossip Girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gossip exactly. Girl it's, it's very Gossip Girl adjacent. So... Well, Gossip Girl made me real angry, too, so um, I'm not going down that road again. It's like Gossip Girl if Gossip Girl looked like Twin Peaks. We're yeah. still on the Riverdale train, though, and we're dragging Gabriella with us. Yeah, I feel I won't be Gabriella surprised if she's like, I'm out next season. recaps together, too. Ooh. We have discussed 
when and if you comes back for season two. Oh, yeah. We're coming in with the recaps. So get ready. I'm sure it will come back because people are going crazy over it now that they're wa- now that it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. God. I hope. But here's the thing. Like, if it's on Netflix and they release all the episodes all at once, that's a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as it, as it hits us. But even if you've never watched you, I'm just going to plug these blog posts from a different blog. You should read the you recaps on Vulture because they're hilarious. Um, the end. I am going to be doing an Oscars predictions post. When you are hearing this, the Oscars were yesterday. So feel free to head over to the blog and see how wrong I was. <laughs> Mary and I wrote about the two fire festival documentaries that we can't stop talking about fire on Netflix and fire fraud on Hulu. And we talk about which one was more fire festy <laughs> spoiler, AKA more of a myth. Yeah. I really want to watch those. We just talk about all out disastrous events. Of course we talk about the sucking dick for water situation. So if you want to hear us talk about Andy that, King. Yeah. I went there out. fully prepared. Andy King might be getting his own show. Uh, oh man, I hope it's called something like. I'm here for it. Just the entire quote is the title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was fully prepared. Yeah. <laughs> I will recap that show for sure. <laughs> so recap of all the Dixie sucks. Oh my word. And then finally, Mary did her surviving character death post. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, sort of keeping the spirit of role-playing games alive from our last other episode, I wrote a blog post about things you can do to sort of like reframe your thinking when your role-playing game character dies. Yeah. Because it happens a lot because it's, you know, a fictional game where you're all crazy adventures. And I've been thinking about it because I have two characters in a game I run right now who yeah, are have maybe a funeral dead. for them. I think that would be good. And we were sort of talking about it and reflecting on what might happen. I remember when I used to kill off my characters yeah. in my long form role playing online. Oh yeah. One time one of my characters yeah. got killed in a hate crime. But it was real. It wasn't staged like the Jesse Smollett whatever it was Rough. real it wasn't just like oh, some Nigerian dudes pretending to be mega hat wearers was that when my character killed your character yeah you were so upset my character was a hate crimer yeah you were hate crime of me isn't it fun to role play a hate crime super fun it was a magical hate crime just ask those Nigerian so, dudes no yeah. anyway yeah <laughs> What's up next on the podcast? I'll tell you. It's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And as Emily just found out the other day, Captain Marvel has a cat. I'm so excited. So like I'm so stoked. Getting ready for this. Can we please just like post pictures of Captain Marvel's cat everywhere? Yes. The cat has its own movie poster. I want it. I know. And tragically, Susan will not be joining us for that episode but emily will be joining us all the way from australia i will be joining from australia good day it's okay my parents are going to be here visiting me her parents ruined that's a happy reason uh and then our next book 
is going to be my book that I chose. My book that I wrote. We're talking about my book, guys. Just kidding. I didn't write a book. Uh, It's called Fruit of the Drunken Tree by Ingrid Rojas Contreras. And we are going to be publishing that episode on March 25th. I have a real quick summary. Um, In the vein of Isabel Allende and Gabriel Garcia Marquez, a mesmerizing debut set against the backdrop of the devastating violence of 1990s Colombia about a sheltered young girl and a teenage maid who strike an unlikely friendship that threatens to undo them both. So this book has some magical realism things going on. Uh, Mm. I'm really excited to read it. And the cover is beautiful. So, yeah. Yes, I've heard really good things about it. We're on a streak of beautiful covers. Yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, well, um, as usual, please, if you have... Sorry, Susan, did you want to do it? Please, please. No. (laughs) No. Susan said... Come on, no. Susan. I'm sorry. I just thought since I wasn't going to be here next time, maybe I could do it this time. Do it! Yeah, you do it, Susan. <laughs> I was totally kidding. I was. I just stuttered, but I'll do it. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast please. if you haven't already. Please. So far, so You're good. You're doing so well. <laughs> yep, yep. You can You're doing catch great. us on social media. We are at Book Squad Goals on Instagram and Twitter, and our page is just called Book Squad Goals on Facebook. Yeah, if you use that stuff. Our website is BookSquadGoals.com. <gasps> if you want to read any of that stuff on the blog, you can go straight to it at BookSquadGoals.com slash blog. It's true. If you would like to send us listener feedback, you can email it to us at the squad. At BookSquadGoals.com. And please do. Yeah. And please do. Yeah. And I'll please. see you guys not next time, but the time after. Yes. Yeah. Have fun with your parents, Susan. We'll probably end up going to see Captain Marvel while they're here. I can almost guarantee it. So, Susan, after you see Captain Marvel, record like a little clip of your reaction to it. And if I'm going to write time, in we'll an anonymous in. listener feedback. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. I really missed Susan on this episode. I don't think you guys should ever record without her again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we try not to. Yes. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.